Hey, everybody. That was pretty bad. I mean, like, pretty bad in some sense. Kind of fun in another because the Rockets are actually a super fun watch. Unfortunately, on a night where the Raptors are working Emmanuel quickly and Yaka Pirtle back into the fold, it seems like on paper they would have some matchup versatility, some ability to hang with guys like Shangun. Um, the FEV and Shangun pick and roll, all of the explosiveness and dy- dynamism outside of it from guys like Jalen Green, Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore. But as it turned out, there was one guy in the Raptors who had the juice in this game, and that was Scotty Barnes, who scored a lot of his points out of live dribble drives and like empty side post-ups and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, the Raptors lose by 29 points, 135 to 106. My dear friend Manny is here to talk about it with me. Manny... Thoughts on the game? What's what's the pitch, the elevator pitch? So here's here's the thing. We're talking elevator pitch. There's always a ground level, right? Mm-hmm. There's always a ground level. Sometimes there's a basement level for the parking, right? So the Raptors may be like ten floors below that right sure. now. But but here's here's the here's the positive side, right? Here's the silver lining. The elevator goes up. Yeah. And and the Raptors will eventually go up too. This is this is part of the growing pains, folks. It's gonna happen. We knew this was coming eventually. It just happened so suddenly. I don't think anyone expected it to happen so suddenly, but here we are. Let's let's say that uh, when it comes to the Raptors and this analogy, let's say or metaphor, <laughs> I don't know which one it is right now. Maybe too much basketball. I'm losing my. I, I don't. I don't know what literary devices are anymore. But regardless, we'll, we'll go with metaphor. Metaphor. Yes. We'll go with metaphor. Exactly. <laughs> so, the Raptors are suddenly they're trying to build a penthouse in a building, let's say, that didn't have one before, but they're putting in a new parking garage for the penthouse residency before oh, yeah. they do it. So there, there's a there's a lower floor now, in the hopes of you know drawing in that let's say tenant. Lewis says analogy. Thank you, Lewis. Um, this, this is why you're the editor of Raptors. Republic, oh, it's and Lewis. I'm just, I'm just a, a schmuck, you know? Um, Listen to but, Lewis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have VCR says, felt like Scotty was empty, scoring no effort. Uh, let's talk about Scotty scoring, because I don't think it was that. I think, like, Gary had a hot start to the game. I don't like... Like, Scotty scored a bunch of points early on in the game, as mm-hmm. far as you know, competing in, let's say, a competitive game. It's not necessarily his fault that the Mm -hmm. team didn't play very well. But you lose by 29, all types of, you know, competition, all types of performances are going to seem empty. But as far as, like, what Mm -hmm. Scotty was able to do tonight on against a defense that succeeded against almost literally everybody else, were you impressed by his ability to create for his own, for himself and his own shot? Yeah, absolutely. In a game where we saw such little energy from the team overall, Scotty is somebody you can count on, I think, to always bring that intensity. He's he's the leader of this team now, and he's doing a great. He, he showed why in this game. Unfortunately, it wasn't the result that the team wanted. But I don't think you can pin that on Scotty for a second. I mean, this yeah. is a team that honestly, I I don't even. It, it's such a it's such a shell of what it used to be almost. You know, yeah. And so I feel like you can't 
you can't pin this one on Scotty at all. He he was driving, he was slashing, he was shooting the ball. He had twenty eight points. Like he was the focal point of any any defensive schemes that Houston was trying to come up and and put on the Raptors. So I don't think you can blame Scotty for this one. Yeah, and I think like considering the dialogue around Scotty, you know, maybe in in a handful of his games because he does start later or kind of ramp up later in games. People were saying, like, give me that for four quarters. Like, give me that earlier. Let's see some of that that urgency early on. And I think early on he did bring that. And this is something that, you know, in other games he's maybe struggled or not been able to implement himself for, I guess, the, the ability to, like, get into the lane with a live dribble, do it quite often. But in this game he started early and did it early. And I made this point about, you know, Pascal maybe like a month ago or something like that. But, you know, expectations of – a player to kind of drag a team to a certain place, maybe are a little bit like misguided sometimes because as the talent level of the league improves, the depth of rosters, the talent across it, and like of your fourth best starter and your seventh best rotation player become more and more important. And we see that with a team like Houston, who their starters, they win a lot of minutes, but they're able to get like these types of performances off their bench. And we see, you know, Pascal wasn't able to lead the Raptors to this vaunted land where people wanted it. But like LeBron and AD missed the playoffs with the Lakers. And that's mm-hmm. like LeBron and AD. Luca missed with the Mavs. It's hard mm-hmm. to carry a team. So my expectation isn't that Scotty will carry a team or anything like that. Um, my expectation is that Scotty meaningfully, meaningfully grows his game and tries to develop this year as things are not going very well. And we have a a follow-up from BCR says only 18 assists this game felt everyone was sluggish and not playing Darko ball. I think, I think that's a reflection of what the Rockets are good at, which is like ball pressure and funneling and to kind of simplify how they attacked offensively, at least with Scotty, that meant that they went to a lot more of those, those post-ups. I had a tweet before the game that was like, I'm waiting for the pick and roll switch, the empty side post up with Scotty on Fred the mm-hmm. first time they guarded each other, and I said it's going to be a dunk, or, a dunk or a foul, that's what happened. It was a pick-and-roll switch with Dennis, post-entry to Scotty, empty side. He got fouled. He went to the line. And so Scotty was efficient in getting his own offense, but I think the Rockets just a, did a really fantastic job of funneling the Raptors repeatedly where they meant to go. And this is something that the Raptors against good defenses struggle against is who's going to get downhill and turn the defense because Darko ball or .5 basketball and all that kind of stuff Mm-hmm. It is meant to build over the course of a possession. But if the Raptors can't get below the break, you're not really building on anything. You're just kind of like moving the ball back and forth. And we've seen that with with Nick's, I guess, offense too. Um, what was your impression of the overall implementation of, let's say, the, what the Raptors are trying to do on the year offensively in this game? Well, I mean, I think ultimately they're still learning this team. I think the focal point is always going to be Scotty. And I think it's about providing him with pieces like, you know, shoot, that can slash. But I think, to be honest, what sticks out to me is is someone that's missing is somebody that's vocal. I don't know that there's a sure. vocal leader of this team anymore. And I don't know that there was even when OG and Pascal were on the team. Obviously, OG didn't talk much. Pascal, maybe, maybe he did. But... Every, everyone, like the, the testimonials from the players seem to indicate that. And Pascal himself is like, I lead by example mm-hmm. i like yeah. everyone says like he's the first in the gym he works like his tail off all the time but as far as yeah. like getting on a guy and being like yo you know like pull your weight <laughs> like he would never yeah. really do something like that 
Yeah, and that's totally fine. But I mean, in terms of actually communicating and being vocal on the court, I just didn't see much of that either. I feel like the communication is not there. There were a few defensive lapses there too. Um, I, there was one that I was thinking of particularly when uh, I think Jalen Green got an easy, easy layup. And it was just like, it, it, it made you think Oh, was it that there wasn't com- too much communication at all? <laughs> was it a Shangun post up on Scotty? Thad helps from the top, and then there's a back cut into the middle of the paint, and Bruce Brown didn't tag. I think it might have been it, that might have been, been, been that one actually. But but yeah, like breakdowns. Yeah, but it was yeah, but it was it was something that was pretty I think easy to find. Um, but yeah, it ultimately I think that's what's missing is is that vocal leader. But at the same time, I mean. <laughs> The effort just wasn't there tonight. I think ultimately we all knew that they came out the gates and, and they weren't really, I think their legs weren't with them tonight at all. It seemed like, you know, the team was just tired. It seemed like nothing was really, I guess, coming to fruition on the offensive end and the shooting was down. Nobody was really doing well in transition. Although we we talk about the transition potential between Scotty, IQ, RJ, who wasn't playing tonight, there's a lot there's a lot of development that uh, the raps need for sure. Yeah. There's there's a few comments that are bringing up the defense and just to highlight it like I think that the Raptors started out in a really bad spot in this game defensively because they had to contend with a lot of point of attack creation obviously and that's something that, you know, a lot of teams provide but the the Rockets are quite good at it and Emmanuel quickly coming in and being like just coming back from an injury, being on a minutes restriction reportedly that's something that is obviously going to see a little bit less resistance. And then Jakob Pertl, who's also coming back from a long injury and mm-hmm. being on a minutes restriction, having to go up against like the, you know, everyone is surprised by how quickly that, you know, Shangun can kind of like gyrate his way through the lane. But mm-hmm. his body control and his quickness is nuts. And it's, if in, you're not, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. if you're not an elite athlete standing across from him, to kind of like yep. mirror his movements and to yep. like stay locked in and his touch around the rim. Um, Jakob, it's not a surprise that the very first time he lined up against Shangun, you got a post entry. He shook him out of his shoes and went right to the front of the rim. And so yep. the Raptors didn't have a single coverage matchup for Shangun. And then <laughs> they didn't have the double because Shangun is going to eviscerate you if you double. And obviously, the outcome of that is that in the half court, the Raptors. 91.3 points per play, not great. And mm-hmm. the Rockets, 121. Fantastic. Wow. And the Rockets yeah. don't need transition possessions. They got some in this game, but they don't need them for their offense. And the Raptors, their frequency, after being the team that plays in transition so often, in this game, only 13% of their possessions, 32nd mm-hmm. percentile. I can't remember which assistant coach it was, but the Rockets, at halftime, he was like, Really, really happy to see that we were able to keep them out of transition. That's so important for them. So the Rockets <laughs> had stuff they wanted to accomplish in this game. They mm-hmm. checkmarked all of it by the six-minute mark of the second quarter, and then they started adding things like uh, have Cam Whitmore score his career high, play him on yeah. Thompson a bunch of minutes, have Jalen Green pop off a little bit, and then that's what it was. They, like, they got shellacked, man. That young core, that young core of like Whitmore, Thompson, Green, like that is, that's terrifying. Yeah, just on the way. They they also, and also like, I don't want to talk too much about the Rockets, but like, yeah, Shangun, obviously, who we waxed points about. But also Mm -hmm. Jabari Smith, 
you know, they run this pick and roll for Fred. He gets middle. Jabari is almost like seven feet tall. He's cutting baseline synonymously with Fred. Comes out. They set a pin down for him. This is like a lithe big who comes around the, or not a pin down, the pin in and like shapes to the ball, catches in movement and cans a triple. You're like, yeah. what the hell? Like I know I, I, I saw him at summer league, you know, this summer and he looked mm-hmm. awesome. But to see him do it in game with movement against contest, I'm like at that height, you know, yeah. Markinen is kind of, and maybe like cat are the only guys who are really doing that at that size. So mm-hmm. the rockets are set up to do like now, really fun things. A hundred percent. And granted though, the Raptors, you know, the effort wasn't there tonight. Wait, just like I, have, the energy I, have a, levels. I have a stat. I'm going to, Oh yeah. The, the, the Rockets shot 86% the rim. Okay, go. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. What's the league average for that? Oh, league average, I imagine, would be, like, in the low 60s. Wow. Okay. A- well, 86% is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's the narrative of the game. And points in the paint, too. I remember in the third quarter was, like, I think about eight, 8.30 left in the third quarter. And Houston had 52 points in the paint compared to the Raptors' 56 total. So, I mean, if that doesn't tell you a story, I don't know what does. The yeah. defense, there's no defense if Pirtle's out. That's the thing. There's no there's no perimeter defense. There was no perimeter defense in this game. There was no, like, <laughs> there was no big in, in the middle to stop anybody from slashing. I think this is, like, you know, the defensive pressure just isn't there. Yeah. But then if the perimeter pressure isn't there either – that I mean, it's essentially just a bunch of bodies going out there and just kind of looking for each other, looking at each other for what to do next. It didn't feel like, you know, the game was too, I guess, intentional in any way. Yeah, you're bang on that. Like, if you don't have ball pressure and you don't have elite backside, like rotation or rim protection, you Mm -hmm. are mostly just having guys kind of like respond to what the offense wants to do. Yeah. And the offense gets to like move through their actions without much <laughs> stress. And yeah. then, you know, that's kind of like a tough position to be in defensively. And that's how you let, you know, the Rockets get to the rim on 40% of their possessions, twice as much as the Raptors did, and score no. 86% there. I mean, it's it's absurd. I see some some critiques of Darko, some defensive Darko in the chat. I don't think a coach makes or breaks a defense to this degree. I'm sure there's probably a coach out there who could get more out of this group defensively, but I think that the Raptors are in a very tough spot from their talent, you know, point of view to guard. Um, I would love the Raptors to be performing better right now, but I don't think Darko can just be like a coach who like flips the switch. I think like players do most of the work on the court is what I would say. We have some people bringing up the incredible interaction that I want to get your... That is incredible, yeah. Um, Fred, <laughs> Dennis, and yeah. here's the thing. Scotty was in there too. Yeah, I was. Let's let's walk through it. So Fred <laughs> and Scotty, this is much of the conversation is that like contentious stuff, tension about who has the ball, roles. You're sweet. Yeah, yeah, roles and all You're that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. Everybody's like, grr. And including those guys, people break mm-hmm. apart. Dennis mm-hmm. comes early this season. Everybody's like, why is Dennis doing what Fred did? Why does Dennis get so much of the ball? Grr. So all mm-hmm. these guys who there's been this conversation like, why do these guys want so much of the ball? Th- those three guys converge on the basketball 
and life imitates art, and they fight over it. Mm-hmm. Incredible, <laughs> incredible, man. That's, that's mind blowing. That's that's like that's that's like it's like a movie. You know what exactly. I mean? It's cinematic. It's like waiting for Godot. Like it's it's just tragic comedy. It's like I wish like Ave Maria was playing in the background when that was happening. It, it was it was it felt like incredible. And also I'm gonna curse right away for anybody who doesn't like that. Um before the game started, we get the the Scotty and Fred dap up and they yeah. just happened and the camera was in the right spot that you get the same dap up position as the Larry Bird and Michael Jordan thing where he's like, fuck mm-hmm. you, you bitch. And then like they literally had the same thing. I couldn't Dude, believe exactly. how much stuff aligned in this game. It was so I, funny. I have an inquiry that I want to make. And I, I think I know because after that, after that interaction, after that happened with that little scuffle around the ball and nobody wanted to give it up, there was another one where Fred just ran through Schroeder. And I don't know if you saw that one, but like they started talking. Oh, yeah. Him, right? Do you see that <laughs> yeah, one? Yeah, blew him up. Yeah. So I think I know what happened. I think I know what Schroeder was asking Fred. I think he was asking for his financial advisor's number sure. because obviously a couple of years ago, Schroeder was like, he had that contract with the Lakers, turned it down. And then now he's talking to Fred because Fred just got the biggest bag in free agency last summer. I just, I just wanted to point that out. I think yep. that's what it was about. That would be, if I were a player and my agent didn't get me as much money as I thought I should be getting, I'd be really upset. And I think that happened with OG. And I think, I don't know what Dennis's role was in like turning that contract down or anything like that. I don't want to count pockets too much, but yeah, there's, you missed out on some money, it seems. And Fred, uh, checking my watch over time, checking the the data logs. I don't know if he's ever missed out on, let's say the bag. Um, No, he outperformed a couple contracts, but he's, He's done a really fantastic job of being a guy who, you know, finds a way to like the bag. Um, anything else stand out from like the on-court perspective in this game for you? No, I think it's pretty simple, to be honest, man. I think it's just a lack of energy today. I think the team is is going to go through these growing pains no matter what. I think it just happened so suddenly for this, this squad. Yeah. We didn't expect it, and we we didn't know what pieces we were getting. And and to be honest, I don't think many people were familiar with Jordan Noir's game before this and before Chicago. Clearly, he has something in his bag that maybe Darko will let him unleash at some time later on. But I think for now, get comfortable, people. This is this is what to expect for uh, the next few games, at least for the rest of the season. And who knows, there might be even more people being. More and more Raptors being uh, sold off at the deadline. Yeah. This is something I wrote about yesterday, and it's not a paywalled article if anyone wants to go to RaptorsRepublic.com and read it, but Jordan Wara and Grady Dick, who Wara, he shot 60% from the field in this game in a little bit of time. Grady was one for eight, but had four steals, drew a charge, had six boards. And like, it gets boring to say this because... I think of Grady as a guy who reads the floor tremendously well, who has a a fantastic feel for the game, but also everybody and and their mom is just waiting, like hit the shot. And that's really what we're waiting for. He does so many other things really well and at a level better than what was expected for him and most, you know, guys who just turned 20, but you're waiting on those guys to hit shots. 
Grady, they just invested a lottery pick into. Wara seems like he provides a decent facsimile of what Gary does. And Gary is a guy who is, like you know, he's expiring. And so a role on the Raptors, which is kind of like the Gary Trent Jr. gunner role, that the Raptors never had anyone who could come close to providing that. So Gary had a weird type of security for a player who wasn't seen as like that, that good in the NBA. He was absolutely essential to everything that the Raptors did. And we might see it that the Raptors end up having that change at the end of the season. And it really, like, we see Grady in this game. He plays almost 24 minutes. He played 30 last game. He played 20 minutes and put, like, one shot up and missed it the other game. Like, Wara mm-hmm. is creeping up there, too. We we might see a changing of the guard, which is interesting. Do you have any thoughts about, like, the gunner role for the Raptors going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going <clears> to... <throat> If you're going to integrate Noir into that role, and if you're going to allocate some of those minutes to Grady as well, I say just do it because those are the guys that you're at least Grady for sure. We don't know we don't know much about Noir and his future with the Raptors, but sure. Obviously, with with Grady, I mean, give him as many minutes as you can because, like you said, we invested a lottery pick in him. It only makes sense to, as you're losing and losing pretty badly to give a guy like Grady, who's still trying to figure out the game, but is so, so smart, give him as many minutes as he can as he transitions to the pros. I mean, there's nothing to lose at this point and everything to gain. So so I would say in terms of that gunner role, it's I would split it up between the two, but I would still give more minutes to to Grady Dick. Yeah. there's There was also, when I wrote the piece, just to borrow from a comment, um, Robin was the commenter, I believe. I don't think they listened to the podcast, but they were the commenter. And they were saying, like, this is reminiscent of, let's say, the norm to Gary trade in that there's expectations about what it could mean in the future, but it's definitely a downgrade at the time. When it comes to Gary versus Norm, Gary didn't actually really grow his game meaningfully and surpass Norm over the time mm-hmm. of the contract, which was the expectation. And so the Raptors just kind of, over time, traded the better player for the worst player. And the hope is that, you know, in the combination of Wara, who can act as a stopgap while Grady does develop and gets ready for maybe big, big minutes, you also get like Wara for much less money, let's say, than Gary probably. And it also means that Grady can like more naturally grow into minutes. But then again, Gary is a very reliable three-point shooter. He's shooting like well over 40% this season. He's been shooting over 50% on his three since January 1st, since the OG trade. He's been shooting, I think, 53% on catch-and-shoot threes. His go- his route to being a guy who gets a decent-sized contract that he obviously wants, and, you know, the reporting was that he was trying to get, like, a $25 million per year contract in the middle of last season when the indication was that he wasn't going to accept his player option, which he obviously ended up doing. The only way he gets back around to, like, $20 million is if he just shoots the hell out of the ball and he's done that recently it'll be a really interesting like shooting guard situation to observe the rest of the season manny are you ready for the ad read <laughs> i hope the listeners uh, are ready for the ad read i'm 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 you're building it up so i'm as ready as i can be ladies and gentlemen i see some people in chat asking what are the raptors gonna do who's gonna be on the team after the trade deadline if you want speculation february 6th downtown toronto Rivoli. The doors open at 6. The panels start at like 7, 7.30 around there. 
last year we did this. We sold it out. It's basically a live podcast. The guests are William Liu, Blake Murphy, Imana Don, Lindsay Dunn, Brandon Leftwich, myself, Lewis, Andrew Damlin, Trevon Heath, and Esfandiar Barahini. We're going to be talking basketball, some of the organizational stuff, some of the on-court stuff, and of course, trade speculation. It was a blast last year. It's $15 to come. Comes with a drink. As I said, we sold it out last year. Go get your tickets because it might be sold out. We had a couple of people last year who couldn't come. So that's what I'm saying. Lewis is in chat saying, slop, slop, slop. <laughs> and that's what we're giving to you February 6th. I hope everyone comes out and enjoys it. I had a ton, 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 ton of uh, fun last year. Uh, Check how, it out, how, people. Check yeah. It how out. do you feel about that, Manny? Good ad read, right? I feel like it was flawless. Flawless nice. execution. As Thanks. as always with you. As always with you, Samson. Certainly, yes. Sure. <laughs> um, we'll do a little bit of slop right now, though, because there wasn't that much to talk about. Actually, here's what I want to talk about. All right. Before we get to... Um, Matt Hogg says, where's those guys who are wrong about everything? Aiden and Oren. <laughs> hey, listen, man. So That's terrible. The, this Aiden and Oren That's went terrible. to do other things. I really mm-hmm. like Aiden and Oren for what it's worth. I'll not let you, you know, I, I do not too. Let you do this. Yes. Great guys. Um, and people loved the show, like the wrap up. But since they went to do other things, the wrap up, I just started doing the podcast live on YouTube so that everyone can yell at me in the chat. And they, mm-hmm. like, Oren is doing, like, more so Canada basketball stuff. And Aiden, you know, as evidenced by his mustache and, like, Beanie, is a longshoreman out on the West Coast or something. <laughs> something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. He's somewhere near a lighthouse, okay? And God God bless both of them. I don't know if they're <laughs> wrong. I didn't really pay attention to their takes, but I don't think they're um, wrong about stuff that often. But I will say this. Oren is a fantastic writer, and Aiden is a like truly tremendous writer. When Aiden writes something, I always read it because he's so witty. He's so he funny. He has Very such clever. incredible, incredible <clears throat> pace and like mm-hmm. levity to his writing that an Aiden Moss piece for me is like, I will sit and read every single one. It, mm-hmm. it provides value outside of like analyzing basketball. It, it, he's the best. So yes, all, all the love to Aiden and Oren. Okay. <laughs> What I wanted to talk about, since I wax poetic about my two pals, the Rockets broadcast was waxing poetic about Scotty, going on and on about like how this guy is fantastic. The Raptors are building around him. They talked about him, like the Raptors broadcast in 2018-19 talked <laughs> yeah. about Giannis Antetokounmpo. They're like they were like Trump out there screaming, "Build the wall, man!" Or like who, who's the the coach Van Gundy, right? Like Stan, like yeah. form a fucking wall. Like they were like, on the broadcast. They're like, "No, this guy, he's a wrecking ball. You gotta get in front, Let's build a wall." Like they were freaking out. Um, I always try to watch the opposing team's broadcast for away games because I won't be at the game, right? And just to see kind of what get a, a a census of or a consensus of sorts of what the Raptors are trying or what team other teams think of the Raptors. And they loved Scotty. Have you mm-hmm. how many like opposing broadcasts have you caught this season? And if you have, what did they think of the Raptors players? And I guess most importantly, Scotty. Yeah, so full transparency, I haven't haven't caught caught many uh, sure. of the away games in their broadcasts. But I will say that it it does fall in line, I think, with what we're used to hearing when it comes to the Raptors, Matt Devlin, you know, Alvin Williams or, or uh, Jack Armstrong. Whenever they're talking about a Raptors opponent 
and maybe the Raptors are up by like 20 or something, they may be talking about the opposing players or the opposing team's player, star player. Like this is the guy that's going to carry the, the league for the next like five, 10 years. I feel like they do that more often than not. So I feel like maybe that's just, you know, just good, good manners, good, good politics, <laughs> maybe. Polite. I don't know, maybe, maybe. But I think that happens way more often than not because when the winning broadcast team is up by so much, I mean, what else can you do? Like, what else can you talk about, right? I mean, Jack Armstrong, we know, can talk about anything. and You can go sure. on forever. But I feel like with Matt Devlin, I feel like, you know, before with Leo Armstrong too, you would hear them talk about the opposing players and, and how bright their futures are all the time. So I don't think that Scotty's case is any less special because of that. I think Scotty, obviously, watching him so closely and how he's developed over the last three years to possibly even being an all-star replacement, injury replacement this year. I mean, he's he's definitely somebody that's going to be in the discussion for top 10 players probably in the next two, three years. That's just my guess. I could be wrong, like Aiden and Orn. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but but I do believe in Scotty's potential. I do believe in his skill. Like, you know, I, I think that he is the guy. And coming back to my point, I will say, I feel like that happens more often than not with the Raptors when they're bringing up an opposing player's potential for sure. So, I mean, uh, it uh, it maybe isn't as common as other people think, but I think it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much of a regular occurrence, you know. Okay. Well, regardless, when I tweet out the quotes, <laughs> people like them. Here's a, here's a really, really good question, I think, from Sean R. Says, do you like RJ's future better as a big shooting guard or a small, small forward? And I'll say... I think he is mu- he has much more utility on offense as a big shooting guard. We mm-hmm. saw some of those like mismatches he was able to take with Steph Curry and Malik Monk on those pinch post actions. They just throw it into him. I think he's done a really good job of punishing smaller players. Now, the question is, can RJ give you enough like value to maybe give you a little bit less shooting and a little bit less, I don't know, playmaking than like a regular combo or two guard? I'm not sure, but I think a lot of that probably comes on the defensive end. If he can really, because he hasn't been very good defensively. I haven't found since coming to the Raptors, but the whole team hasn't been very good. It's tough to judge in that context. On top of that, though, I think that being a big shooting guard might suit him well for like an off-the-bench role on a really good team. But if he can play really high-level defense, I think there's room for him in a, like a really good starting lineup, especially given his rim pressure. And I expect him to be like a passable three-point shooter over time. So, and and I've been impressed with a lot of his playmaking chops. And I know they weren't popping up as frequently in New York, but that's kind of my read of the situation. I think it's more advantageous for him offensively, certainly to be a big shooting guard, but hanging with smaller guards on the perimeter, being mm-hmm. run through a lot of screening actions, that kind of stuff, um, it might be a little bit tough. But uh, what are your thoughts, Manny? I would say big shooting guard too. I think with small forwards, you have to consider strength a little bit more when they're going to post up as well, back to the basket. I think that's something that's obviously becoming more and more of a common occurrence as well. So big shooting guard for RJ makes the most sense for me. Okay. Here's a good one from Oble. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Abre Los Ojos says, 
Gen Z hoops is all about vibes. Bring back millennial grit. What do you think about that? You're a millennial, right? Yeah, yeah. We're both millennials, no? I think I'm like the youngest millennial or I'm on the line. Because it shifted. I think it was like 1997 and then they're like 1996. I saw some there mm. like the divide is 1995. Um, that's, I'm yeah, not, that's yeah. yeah, I'm not 21 <laughs> for anybody wondering about that. Okay, I'm not 21. Um, but yeah, I, what do you think about millennial grit versus Gen Z vibes? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's funny because when I think about grit and I think about millennial grit, particularly, you, you obviously go back to the Memphis Grizzlies with Zebo, Gasol, Conley, Tony, Tony Allen. But I think even before that, you know, you maybe go to like, I guess, like this, the Kings of the 2000s, right? With the C-Web, Jason Williams, Vladi Divac, Divac, sorry. So, I mean, I think it's interesting, but I mean, I don't know if that millennial grit will work with today's pace of play. Mm. I think it's just too fast. What do you think? I think there is a lot of really talented defenders in the NBA. I think that NBA, like, offense has just gotten, like, way too powerful. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that from, like, oh, the rules are doing it. I think players are really good with the basketball. I just think like a lot of the reads that primary playmakers used to make are stuff that like the fourth option seamlessly does. Like it, it shouldn't, it should wow people a little bit that RJ Barrett has like a six assist game where he's making like those big swing left-handed skip passes a la 2011 LeBron James. Like LeBron was the biggest skip passer. He broke NBA defenses with the skip pass and mm-hmm. That's just something a lot of guys can do now. Like mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes, of course, can skip pass and he can, you know, intentionally miss, like misguide and send off and delude the weak side zone and like ping it to somewhere else. Like that's an elevated version of it. But mm-hmm. I'll tell you this much. I think guys are just so talented. So I don't I don't know about the 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 generational divide. We have Mauricio Arenas who says, who cares about millennial focus on the game of basketball? Mauricio, I'll tell you this yeah. much. Nobody focuses more on the game of basketball than me. I am too in the weeds on this stuff. Um, That's true. That's true. We also have OG3, who I need clarification from, says, Samson, you have a Hunter Hunter tattoo and hitting JoJo poses. You're one of us. Please let me know if that's a Zoomer or a millennial. Anyway, Nesta says the game really has evolved from generation to generation. It's incredible, man. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. There are players who I just, I see them and I you couldn't look and have. You, and it, you marvel at them. I couldn't have imagined their game. And yeah. the number one example I think is like Shea. Shea, yeah. th- mm-hmm. there isn't a guard like Shea before Shea. There, I don't know how long it'll take for there to be a guard like him after. But I think when I saw Steph Curry in like the early 2010s, I was like, wow this is kind of the guard position. And I was thinking of it in the future. And I was thinking like maybe Donovan Mitchell is what I was thinking about. Like a guy who could really run through a bunch of pick and roll reads, whose pull up three was everything who had athletic pop. And I was like, that's the future of the guard position. But then the best guard in the NBA right now is a guy who doesn't shoot that many threes, who is unbelievable when it comes to footwork, managing pace, being like a herky jerk octopus in the lane. Mm -hmm. And, 
that's like that's what it is. And the three best yeah. players in the NBA, or four even, Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, Shea, Matt Hogg says they're getting twitchy. These guys don't shoot that many threes. Yeah, like no. Steph broke the game as the star who shot the threes, and everyone's like, "We got to shoot threes. We got to shoot threes. We got to shoot threes. And these guys are just like, the role players learned to shoot threes. So did the secondary stars. I'm going to eat like a gluttonous pig in the lane, and they just <laughs> yeah. do. And I couldn't yeah. have predicted that truthfully. Hundred percent. And I think also it goes to not only their 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 eating in the lane, but I think it's also just their overall offensive output like you think about Jokic and you know his points but then also his assists like how much offense does he generate mm-hmm. for the Nuggets same thing with Embiid too right like like I mean he's out ha- he's having a, an amazing season another one where he probably would have been the unanimous unanimous MVP unfortunately you know obviously he's injured now but yeah same thing with him like went off for uh, 70 points last week just absolutely insane and I can see the same thing for guys like Monta Sabonis and guys like Alperin Shingun as they as they you know continue to get better. I guess mm-hmm. Sabonis is kind of where he is now. He's not really the same level, uh, I guess, of development that Shingun kind of is at right now. But man, like those guys, like yeah, you're right. They don't shoot many threes, but they do shoot threes. But that's I think the evolution of the big man in itself is that. Yeah, like before they didn't shoot many threes at all. Like you would never see a big man really hanging out on the perimeter. Now you're seeing big men all over the court, like anywhere. It could be like, you know, top of the key. It could be like half court. It could be like back in the paint. It could be anywhere. It's to the Embiid point. He scores 35 points a game. And I think Scotty is a better like world's better as a passer than Embiid is but Embiid is such an world-ending offensive force they average the same amount of assists Mm -hmm. like Embiid just you give him the ball and he can like stutter rip into the lane like he's Jimmy Butler he can hit step backs he makes over 50% of his mid-range jumpers step back spin over both shoulders you're like and he's what like seven one seven two and yeah. he moves like that. You're like, what the? Who the hell is this guy? And then yeah. Shea does it in like this herky jerk way from above the break. He doesn't even necessarily need screen help. He beats every. He gets past everybody's hips. And how do you contend? Like Steph isn't the far and away guy anymore. Neither is LeBron. Neither is KD. These guys just came in, and they are all so fantastically unique. And like it's it's crazy. Like Jokic and Embiid are two of the best centers we've ever seen, and there's like yeah. no similarities to their game, like none. Yeah, yeah. Like they, like they have like basically no overlap. Nothing at all. Like one is like just this dominant force that was being compared to Shaq a couple of days ago, yep. and even now so. And then the other one is is like a guy that just wants to get home to race his horses. <laughs> you know what I mean? He. But it's crazy because, yeah, when you think about Jokic's game, it's like you look at him and it's like he looks kind of lazy out there on the court and almost like messy. Sorry, we're getting like so, so sidetracked here because it's not just Raps cast anymore. It's like NBA cast at this point. Yeah. But so we're talking about like Jokic and how like he is on the court. It's like the guy, I don't even know, like how would you describe his game to like somebody who's never watched basketball before? You know, like mm-hmm. he's not he's not so clean with his like, 
with his execution. And it doesn't seem to be that way, but yet he is such an important part in like the pivotal part of what the Nuggets do. It's it, it's mind blowing, man. I think you know Coco brings up something. Uh, she says my favorite players are generally point guards, but I think that's because I'm short. It could be, and this also kind of helps in capture. Um, Steph's impact and popularity is that like the way Steph plays, you can go emulate it. Like kids can more easily yeah. like pull up for three than they can do LeBron's, you know, the big reach back tomahawk. And mm-hmm. yeah, so we we obviously enjoy things that we see within we see ourselves in players, and that helps obviously identify. Um, Aubrey Losojo says Jokic plays a lot like '91 Magic Johnson. Aubrey, I will say. I've only seen like three games, full games of Magic on like the NBA history back when mm-hmm. I had not I had cable, but my family had cable. And OG3 says Jokic is like a bear covered oil that never <laughs> loses his balance. It's like he he really is. And the never yeah. loses his balance thing is incredible. This is it's we're, amazing. We're gonna bring yeah. it back around to Scotty now. Something I tracked for Scotty was how what percentage he shot on contested hook shots. And Sports Info Solutions, a proprietary statistic company, um, I have a couple friends who work there. They also tracked it. And for the first portion, the first like 55, 60 games of Scotty's rookie season, he shot 57% on contested hook shots. Incredible indicator of touch. And he was in the same like percentile as Jokic. His second season, he shoots 55% when I was tracking it. I didn't track Jokic's, but Jokic's has always been over 50%. These guys have like an uncanny ability, Scotty Jokic, to always find the rim, no matter where their balance is, no matter like if they're taking contact, no matter if they're going up sideways, they can always locate the rim and just like plop it in there. And that's like tremendous, tremendous stuff. And we also have a question from OG3 says, speaking of the stutter rip, do you think that's something Scotty can add to his bag or use more? I will say... The stutter rip is built off of quickness. And nothing about Scotty's game is quick except for his jump. I don't think he'd be very strong stutter rip guy because stutter rip is trying to like get away from the contact. Like you're trying to blow bypass, blow by somebody. And that's never been Scotty's strong suit. Scotty is just like tremendous at banging a dude under the rim, like putting him in the stanchion. We saw it, you know, Reggie Bullock, he got like, he just backed him down. Boom, slammed into him, dunk. The same way he did during that incredible fourth quarter comeback against the Spurs on Jeremy Sohan. Um, Jimmy Butler can't put a guy in the rim like that, but he mm-hmm. can be like a fantastic stutter rip guy. And I don't think Scotty can emulate the stutter rip necessarily with quickness, but he can use his strength to like absolutely destroy guys. Maul dudes um, is, is kind of my takeaway. Yeah. Green perspective right. says who's Scotty Bang again. Hey man, anybody who wants to work, <laughs> I'll say that much. Um Aubrey says PG, Yeah. He says he'll <laughs> send me a clip of 91 Magic on Twitter. The similarity is kind of hilarious. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, on top of that, talking about PG, there was one after it was Amen Thompson who had two Euros on Grady that were insane. Mm-hmm. To you because on a Euro you have to kind of go like sideways. Yeah. And on top of that, you have to keep moving forward Amen Thompson I think has the fastest Euro I've ever seen he's really? so explosive and he perfectly manipulated the gather too so that you get like that extra gather step so you can really move yeah. through the lane he did it to Grady twice he is like a hundredth percentile athlete watching him move and and Asar as well those two guys 
they're nuts. But mm -hmm. on the one play, he drove right into Grady. Grady drew the charge, and we got mm -hmm. a funny moment on the Rockets broadcast um, <laughs> where they said, uh, Dick is on the ground. Ime is loving it. And then <laughs> the broadcast just went like silent for like four full seconds because they're probably like, ooh, that's maybe, uh, that's maybe a little tough. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any other thoughts? Just if this feels like it's a little bit, you know, unstructured, I'm just letting you know, it always, it always turns into responding to chat questions. So don't, <laughs> don't, uh, don't feel too bad about it. Um, <laughs> anything interesting you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, to be honest, I think, look, if we're looking at the overall perspective of this team and kind of what, what's going on right now, I think it's just growing pains. I think this is mm -hmm. something we haven't experienced since the Brian Colangelo days. And let's be honest, those are some dark days, people. But look, <laughs> the good news is, the good news is there is no longer the cloud of Colangelo over this Raptors team. I I know that Mazai and Bobby have been a little bit uh, you know, questionable, I guess, at, at best in, in certain certain aspects, but I I think that the direction the team is going in finally gives me some, it should finally give us some certainty because we know now that they're finally not retooling. They're, they seem to be rebuilding now for sure. So let's get comfy. This is not going to be fun to watch, although maybe we'll see some flashes of potential future outcomes and let's just enjoy it while we can and think back to, you know, the times where, the Raptors weren't so fun to watch, you know, back when they had those uh, those weirder jerseys, you know. <laughs> I think uh, I think like an important thing for because basically when teams don't perform that well, when they're tanking and whether the Raptors are tanking, whatever they call it, in-house rebuilding, retooling, whatever adjective they throw at it um, or adjective. Anyway, whatever they throw, <laughs> whatever they throw at it, it doesn't really matter. The team isn't as good and not as many people are going to watch. That happens with mm -hmm. every single team. For the people who do stick around, because there was a huge, huge influx of people post-championship and during the run-up to it, um, try and enjoy the opposing team. Like, try and, like, be a basketball purist a little bit, honestly. Because I, to be quite honest with you, I got asked a couple podcasts ago, like, how I have fun or enjoy or try not to, like, you know, not have it be like, oh, when I cover this team. But mm. you just have to be able to enjoy the players on the other side of the court too. Like just enjoy the basketballiness of it all. Right. And that's like I had a blast watching this game because I was impressed that Scotty was able to get into the lane and score there. I enjoyed that. I always kind of enjoy watching Grady's process. And the Rockets were just like a bucket of fun. Like totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, man. The Rockets are a chef's kiss right now. Like they are so fun to watch. I think maybe the only other team that maybe is fun to watch is them is probably OKC. But They're that's incredible. my opinion. Like I, we get. That I don't think. Days. Yeah, we get that. Yeah, on Sunday. So that's that's very cool. But yeah, the Rockets. I can't say enough of of how good they're or how fun they are to watch. To be honest, and I'm sure they're going to be a force going forward. But. Tonight, they were a force against us, which uh, obviously we don't like. Okay. Sean R. asks, what's the best thing to look forward to at the Rivley event? And how would you rate your pool skills? Um, last time at the Rivley event, a lot of people, Will is a really big deal. 
you know, people really like meeting Will. There's a lot of fans of Will. So a lot of people are like, oh, cool, William Lewis here. That was mm-hmm. good. Um, if you're a f- if you like the work of anybody there and you want to talk to them after not being like not being able to meet them in person, maybe that's cool. But I think a lot of the conversations will be really fun and interesting. How are my pool skills? I played recently. It was the Atlanta game. I watched that game at Lewis Satsman's house with my friend Oleg. And after the game, after Lewis and I did the podcast, we played pool. And I have now played Lewis, I think, 30 times in wow. pool. I have beaten him once and i'm not good at pool but lewis is incredibly good at pool um and and my friend Oleg also beat me as well so i'm not good at pool uh people would wax me uh i'll I'll get waxed at pool 100 percent. are you good at pool no honestly i i would like to think i'm somewhat somewhat competitive but to be honest i don't think i've won a game since i can remember man but you know what maybe Maybe we have to face off in pool, the two of us, because maybe if we face off, that'll elevate the other one. Yeah. It's like Raptors versus Pistons. It's just right. watching the worst thing you've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, that's you and I as we play pool. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Joseph Cassidy hits on something important. Hit the likes. That's true. While you're here, the concurrent viewers, hit the like button. It helps promote it in the algorithm to other people who watch this afterwards. It's totally free, and hopefully you're watching because you like us, and that's a small thing you can do. Um, is there anything you want to say before we get out of here, Manny? No, I did want to just point out that if we do take our hats off, oh. you and I, we are essentially the same person. Hell just, yeah. Just in inverse. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's like, it's like, you're the, you're the golden Oreo and I'm the OG, right? <laughs> so it's like, it's like, I don't know. I'm just saying if, if Oreo could like, you know, maybe maybe sponsor us, that would be great. Sure. That'd be great. You know? It's it's a it's a decent consideration. <laughs> the, the last comment from Sid is Battle of the Battle of the Mid, which was about, you know, the Raptors and the and the the Pistons, the Pistons. but it's now Battle of the Bald. Or Bald battle and the Beautiful. Bald and Beautiful. I as love Matt it. Hogg says. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's right. Um yep. Solstice ninety nine <laughs> says Lewis had home court advantage in regards to the pool no the pool. he would he would wax me anywhere man i really mean that <laughs> um last thing i'll say before we get out of here thank you very much for hopping on with me manny this was yeah. a total blast um for all the people who are going to be at the the rivley event i can't wait to see you and chop it up aubrey losojo says make the trip to istanbul and get the armpit hair <laughs> <laughs> og3 right, says let's, yeah let's plan it let's yeah. plan it right now <laughs> og3 says we're one shade away from a bald neapolitan which yeah very good um i think honestly with this lighting i look kind of like i'm almost the strawberry to be quite you honest almost you. do yeah, yeah. um but yeah that's that's about it looking forward to see everybody um looking forward to more conversations and I'll see y'all after the Oklahoma City game. And I will be joined by, I think, S and Trey in person because I think we're all watching that game together. So thank you to everybody for tuning in. Um, stay tuned for S's recap tomorrow morning, which are always fantastic, always tremendous. That'll be fun. And just um, keep tuning in with these Raptors. Find something fun to watch with each game. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And whether you got into this in the morning or at night, Have a blessed day and goodbye.